series talking about relationship skills. And uh, we all have relationships of a wide variety of kinds, co-workers, family, friends, kids, spouses, boyfriends, girlfriends, all, all across the spectrum we have relationships. And we're just really spending the summer talking about what does it look like to, to have healthier relationships? What does it look like to grow in loving each other and having stronger community and being able to have the skills that are necessary to be able to really thrive in our relationships. And a large part of relationships, a large part of our life in relationships is serving the people that we're in relationship with. And that might not be the part that we're kind of most excited about or that, you know, jazzes us about relationships, but all of our relationships, there's a component of we're, we're supposed to serve each other in some way. And even though we know that, that's often sometimes the one of the biggest tensions or biggest complaints in relationships, that they don't do enough, or you did something for them and they didn't do something for you, or how come I'm always the one that has to do this and I'm underappreciated, or I'm, I'm not thanked, or I mean, it's oftentimes a, a big complaint in relationships is this aspect of relationships. And so what does it look like to actually be able to grow in serving one another? And even as just we get into this, I want you to think about your relationships relationships. And wouldn't they be better? Wouldn't they be better if you really knew how to serve the people in, that you're in relationship with? Wouldn't they be better if, if the people that you're in relationship with knew how to serve you better? Because when we're talking about the skills of relationships and we talk about serving each other, there's kind of two parts that are really hard. One, one part is sometimes we don't really know how to serve each other well. And sometimes it's we may know how to serve each other well, but we don't know how to do that over the long haul. We start to get tired. We start to get bitter. We start to get worn out. We start to get heavy-hearted. We, we wonder, how do I continue, or where do I draw the line, or how far am I you know, uh, supposed to go, and when is it okay to stop? And we, we, we don't sometimes know how to serve people, but we also sometimes don't know how to continue doing it in a healthy way. And if we want to have healthy relationships... We've got to know how to serve each other. I mean, because you know, and I know, man, if we really knew how to serve each other and, and do that well and do that in a healthy way, our relationships would be, would be a lot healthier. And so this is what we are talking about today. How can we actually grow in serving one another? And we're going to start with just a lot of the practical stuff, which is what does good serving look like? What does it look like to actually serve each other? How, how do we do this well? And, and I want you to think about this for whatever relationship maybe you most need to think about it for. Maybe it's your kids or, or maybe it's your spouse or maybe it's just your, your community group and your, your friends. But I want you to think about these things that we're going to look at and apply them excuse me, to your relationships, because there's, there's going to be four different things that we're going to look at that God's wisdom that we see about what it looks like to serve well, God's wisdom around this is very different from how we normally think about serving. So we're going to go through four ways, starting with this. We're starting with this, action. Now, a lot of times we think that the way that we're supposed to serve is in action. You may have heard the phrase, I'm sure, talk is cheap, or you know, put your money where your mouth is, and that kind of thing. And we say, man, one of the ways that you should serve people is in action. Don't just talk. Don't just, and, and the Bible even says some stuff about this, and if you've been kind of around Christian circles for a while, you've probably heard things like this. Don't just say, hey, you know, I hope it goes well for you, or I'm going to pray for you, but you should actually do something, right? And if somebody says, hey, I'm moving this weekend, I could use some help, and you go, I'll, I'll pray for you, you know? And you're like, that's not quite what I was looking for, you know? 
but and we know, man, one of the things that we're supposed to do in love is to have actions of love. Not just words, not just talk, not just prayers, but there should actually be action. That love does something, right? You, you probably know that, but the Bible actually calls us to more than this. The Bible says it's not just action, but it's sacrifice. That the way that we are supposed to serve, one of the things that good serving looks like in relationships, it's not just action. That's actually not far enough. It's sacrifice. Here's how, here's how John, uh, one of Jesus' friends, says it. He says, by this we know love. That he, talking about Jesus, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. And, and then he goes on to talk about serving each other when you're in need. He's not, he's not necessarily talking about actually you know, taking a bullet for somebody or something. He's saying that we need to be able to lay down our lives. That's the way that we love. That's the way that we serve. And that's different from just action. Because if you think about action, sometimes what happens is we basically do the bare minimum. We say, okay, I know love isn't just talk. I, okay, so you're, you know, I'll use my moving example. You're moving, okay, well, I know I'm supposed to, I'll show up for 30 minutes and help. And there we go, I, I did it. And we can just kind of cross it off the list. We can say, yes, I, I will love in action. Yes, my love is more than words. And, and we do something, but if we, if we are only at this mentality, we basically look for what's kind of the bare minimum that I can do. And I know we don't say that. But that's why the Bible calls us to so much more than just action. It actually calls us to sacrifice. It says, where is it in your life that maybe, where is it in your life that maybe you're scared? You're scared to let, to let your life be lost in some way, to give up your life in some way. Maybe this is with time that you would say, yeah, okay, I, I can give a little bit of time, but do I really want to sacrifice my time? Do I really want to die to my schedule. Or, or maybe it's financially that you would say, okay, you know, I, I can give a little bit here and there, but, but are you really willing to, to die? Are you really willing to sacrifice financially and actually say, this is uncomfortable. This is costing me. This feels like I'm dying in some way. I'm not recommending you say that when you're helping someone move or something. I'm dying right now. I love you. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying you say that. But, but the Bible's call, God's wisdom in relationships, is that we are not just supposed to love in action. It pushes us further than that. It says, are you willing to sacrifice? And maybe for you, it's your plans and your goals. I know for me, as I was thinking about this, it's like, okay, yeah, time, that's important to me, and money, that's important to me. But, but really, a lot of times, it's my plans. I have a certain way I want things to go. And if love, and, and if I can kind of fit in there, okay, yeah, there's a couple little actions of love. But if my plans have to deviate, and I have to sacrifice my plans, that's love. That's actually saying, I'm willing to sacrifice my plans, my goals, my money, my comfort, my, my time. And, you know, sometimes we even wonder, okay, so when do I stop? Like, if love is sacrificial, when do I stop? And you know when you stop? The only thing that ever keeps you from sacrificing more is love. Which means this, love limits what you do sometimes. That you might say, if I keep doing this for them, it's enabling them. If I keep doing this for them, it's actually propelling and promoting them to not be sustaining in some way. And, and the only thing that actually keeps you from continuing to sacrifice is love for the person. But love has no limits. It's willing to say, I will die. I will lay down my life. 
this is what our serving looks like first that's often different. And then second is sometimes when we think about uh, serving in a loving way, we think about extravagant things. We think about, I I was reading something about kind of, just articles about how serving's good for your heart and all these kinds of things. And it was talking about, look, there's these big, you know, one million pancakes were given in like a flash mob or these kind of big things we think about sometimes, right? Of, oh, that's what serving looks like. It's this, it's this giant, like, extravagant thing we do. And you probably aren't thinking about one million pancakes, but sometimes it's, you, you come home and you've bought like an expensive present, you know? Maybe it's because the day before you did something bad, and so the next day you're like, here you go, kids, or here you go, spouse. I've, I've got this you know, present, or this vacation, or this trip, or this extravagant thing that we go, that's what it looks like to serve people. We kind of do these large acts of love, and that feels great. We like to do that, to do the vacation or to, to you know, some cause that we want to participate in. And we say, yeah, one time, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in all in this thing and, and I'll, I'll go for a week or I'll go for a couple weeks and, and, and volunteer my time to this thing. We think of these like extravagant things of that's what service is supposed to be. And that feels adventurous and it often feels kind of fulfilling in some ways, but the Bible calls us to more than that. God says, you know what your relationships need. You know what they need when it comes to serving each other. It's not these big extravagant things, but rather it's consistency. It's consistency over time. Here's how Paul says it in his letter to the church in Galatia. He says, let us, and just listen to this, let us not grow weary of doing good. But, but that means there's this consistency that's happening that you might have the tendency to grow weary. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity, that means, man, you're, it's just happening all the time. As you have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. See, this is a pattern of consistency saying, I am doing good. I am serving consistently. Now, this might be some of the tension in your relationship. This might be some of the tension that you actually experience because you might feel, man, I am working hard or, and I was able to buy this vacation for us. Or I was working hard and that's how I was able to buy this gift for you. And so, you know, how, how can you be so ungrateful that you, you don't see everything that I'm doing for you? And sometimes we, we look at these kind of big things that we've done, kind of these mile markers or these kind of significant mileposts that we say, I did this for you. But it's often the consistency that actually matters. Um, one of the researchers, I think I mentioned him last week, but his name is John Gottman. He's kind of a marriage expert. And one of the things he talks about within marriage is a lot of times couples will say, you know what we need? To get the juices flowing again, to you know, get our love rekindled. We need like a big vacation. Romantic weekend, and that's fine, but that doesn't do anything near as much, he says, as daily helpfulness. And this is the same thing in all our relationships. Look, you can go all out for your kids on uh, Disneyland vacation or something's really, and I'm not saying not to do any of that stuff. I mean, that, that can be, you know, memory-making stuff, but that's not the same thing as a lifetime of daily consistency. But that's harder, right? It's harder to do that. It's often easier to do the extravagant thing once instead of the daily thing. Like, you know, the Bible says to husbands that they're supposed to lay down their lives for their wives in serving them. But sometimes it might be easier to say, I'll I'll take a bullet for you, than it is to say, I'll do the dishes. 
Or it might be easy to say, you know, a lot of people, I don't even know, thousands of dollars spent on, on weddings, right? And you've got this big, extra, I mean, tens of thousands, big, extravagant day. And yet, okay, that's one day. But a lifetime of a marriage of consistent love is what actually counts over and over and over again. Look, I think people that are, those of you that are stay-at-home moms, man, I think you know this the most, where it's daily consistency. Yeah, it's hard to give birth. It's hard to give birth, and, you know, I'm not, obviously I'm a, a man, okay, so. <laughs> but it's, it's hard to give birth, but it's probably even harder, I would wager, ladies, that to just daily, day in, day out, wipe a poopy butt, you know, and just be there and feed and not sleep and, you know, if you're, like, just married, you're like, I was looking forward to having kids. You know, well, this is, you know, this is what it is. But by my sources, this is what I'm told, you know. It's a lot harder sometimes to do the daily, menial, consistent acts of service than it is, I wrote this big check, or I volunteered for this cause, or I gave this large gift. And yet, if we want to be able to serve well, it's consistency. Third thing that there's often a tension between is a lot of times when we think about service or kindness, a big idea in our culture has become this idea of random acts of kindness, right? So you see the Starbucks, sometimes you'll see on the news, the Starbucks line went on for three hours of people paying for the person behind them, you know? And it's just like, okay, that's great. Like, man, if we can all be a little more kind and all smile at each other, great, that's fine. When you think about random acts of kindness, and you think about, you know, I read something, you know, someone put more money in the vending machine, and I mean, okay, all, all those are great. But again, this keeps us in control, and God's wisdom in our relationships, if we want to get better at loving people, at serving people, random acts of kindness is nothing compared to intentional acts of kindness, intentional acts of serving. Here, here's what the Bible says. Paul writes to the church in Philippi, let each of you Look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Now think about this. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but look to the interests of others. So we look after our own interests, right? You look after your interests. I look after my interests. You do this every time that you're, you're, you're going out to eat and you're on Yelp. What are you doing? You're looking after your interests. You're saying, I want to eat something good. So I'm, I'm going to thoughtfully consider what I want to go into my mouth. I'm going to thoughtfully consider this, right? And you do this when you're looking at different things that you, I mean, Netflix or Amazon, they do this for you, right? They say it's suggested based on your preferences. They say, we've been looking after you. We've been reading Philippians. Netflix is reading Philippians. They say, we've been looking after your interests, and we think this would be something that would serve you. We think this would be something that would interest you. Check this out. Now, this is what is different from random acts of kindness or random serving is an actual intentional serving, a looking. So let me explain the difference. So often we do this. When someone's going through something, when someone's um, has, you, you, look, you notice something hard in somebody's life. Maybe they're suffering in some way. Maybe they just had a kid. Same, same thing often. Maybe, they, um, may, maybe they're, they're going through a life change, a transition. Maybe they're moving. Maybe something's going on. And here's what we often say, right? If, if you're trying to be a good friend, we often say this. If there's anything I can do for you, let me know. If there's anything I can do for you, let me know. 
Now, that is the opposite of intentional because it's putting the weight on them. And let me ask you, if anyone has ever said that to you, have you taken them up on it? See, because I know, like, there was a day a while back, um, and we were kind of having a hard day, my wife and I, at the church, and somebody noticed that, and and she just walked up and said, hey, you know, and this is kind of right when we had uh, gotten back, and uh, she she came up and she said, hey, you know, it looks like it's kind of been a rough day. Can I bring you a meal later on today? I was like, man, that would be so awesome. That would just save us time. That would just be a great blessing. Thank you. But do you think if she had come up and said, hey, if there's anything I can do, let me know. And then a couple hours go by, and I, do you think I would have texted her and said, hey, I, we'd really like dinner? <laughs> right? I mean, it seems laughable. But yet that's what we do to people, right? We say, hey, I, I'm putting it on you. If there's anything I can ever do for you, let me know. But who does that, right? Your friends don't just text you back and say, hey, remember that one time you said if there's anything you could do three weeks ago at community group? Well, have I got a thing for you, right? I mean, if we took that approach in kind of our romantic relationships and you said, hey, if you ever need flowers, let me know, right? (laughs) If you ever need a birthday present, let me know, you know? Like, we don't do that, right? Your your kids don't say to you, hey, if you ever need uh, my room clean, just let me know and I'll, I'll get on it. But until then... But intentional says, I'm looking, I'm listening, I'm in your life, and just the same way, look, that's not what we do for our, our life, right? We look after our interests. We say, what do I want to eat, and where do I want to go, and how much money do I want to make, and how can I advocate for myself, and what do I want to... Paul says, don't just look after your interests, look after the interests of others, which means we have to be in people's lives and listen and look and offer suggestions. Say, can I make you a meal? Hey, would it be okay if I, if I babysat for you? Would it be okay if I helped you move? Would it be okay if, man, it seems like you've got a lot of medical things coming up. Could, I, could maybe we help you financially? That is looking. That's saying, I am trying to be intentional, not random. I'm trying to be thoughtful, not, not just kind of put it on you. I mean, imagine what would happen if you did that with your spouse. If you didn't just say, well, you never asked, but you were looking for ways to serve. Imagine if you did that with your kids, that that you were not just waiting until they asked you, but you said, how can I serve them with your friends? And even look, even for those of you that uh, work, which I think is most of you, but for those of you that have a job, even, I mean, a a lot of times in, um, for those of you that are bosses, you know this, if you employ people or you're managers and you kind of manage teams, you know this, but the person that, the, the employee that says, hey, if there's anything extra I can do, let me know. Bosses and managers are always like, oh my gosh, they don't get it. But the person that's saying, hey, I think that I, I could work on this. Hey, I think I could bring some value to the table on this. Hey, I noticed that there were some things that needed to be done here, and I'm going to put those are the people that get promoted. And this isn't a sermon about how to get promoted. I'm just saying that, that same, but, there, but hey, maybe it'll help you. But that, that same mentality, that same mentality that's not just saying, hey, let me know but says, I'm here to serve, so I'm looking after the interest. I'm trying to find where I can serve. Now, I want to say this about this as well. This happens in relationship. This happens in relationship, which means two things. It means, first of all, that you've got to be in community with people. Because if you're just here on a, on a Sunday, which is great. Maybe this is your first Sunday. We're so glad that you're here and checking things out. But if you're going through an awful time, or you're struggling and you need people to serve you, 
and you're like, well, none of these people are serving me. It's because they don't know. They don't know. Almost every week, not, not every week, but almost every week, our community groups will do prayer requests and also needs requests. Which is like, hey, I, I need prayer about this. You know, I'm, I'm moving and I'm kind of anxious about something and, and, and needs requests. Okay, how could we help you with that? Is there something we could do? Could we help you move? Could we? But if you're not in relationship with people and you're on kind of the outside looking in, you're like, well, I'm struggling, but it doesn't seem like my needs are getting. I know. And it happens in relationship. And that's why, that's one of the big reasons, man, we want people to actually be in relationship. But here's the second thing it means. It means you actually have to share. Because no one can read your mind, right? Being intentional is not the same thing as being psychic. Okay? Being intentional is not the same thing as being psychic. You can't just go, I bet that they're struggling right now, and I'm going to do this for them. Somebody, you, look, if this is you, you've got to share. You've got to say, it's really hard for me right now. This is a really difficult day. This is a really difficult season. This is, this is difficult. Man, I'm financially struggling. Or You've got to be vulnerable, which is hard, I know. I know that's challenging. But God says he wants to actually help us and to help you. So this comes in relationship. And then finally, the fourth tension that we often see or the way that God pushes us into a better kind of serving is we often think about reciprocal. We often think about reciprocal serving. I mean, just think about who do you like to serve? You like to serve, and I like to serve, those that serve us. I love to do things for people that will then do things for me in return. It feels nice, right? To go, hey, I'm giving a little bit, they're giving a little bit. I'm doing my part, they're doing my part. And it's really hard when it's not returned. It's really hard when people don't give back. It's really hard when they're not thankful or, or maybe you serve them, but they don't give you the same kind of serving that you, that you gave. So you're like, hey, I helped you move all day Saturday and you showed up for 30 minutes. Or, hey, you know, I asked, um, I asked you, you said you were struggling financially and I gave you, man, I, I, we, we sacrificed our vacation. We, we helped you out with a couple thousand bucks. And, and I was struggling and you gave me a $5 McDonald's gift card. It's like, thanks. And we want it to be reciprocal. We want it to actually be, I give to you and you give to me. And this is this nice, mutually beneficial relationship. But the Bible calls us to something more. It calls us to a serving that is gracious. It calls us to a serving that is based not on what someone has done for us, but is based on mercy. Here's how, here's how Jesus says it. He says, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good. That's serving, right? Do good to those who hate you. Not even they only gave a little bit and you gave up. Do good to those who hate you. Bless Serve, bless those who curse you. Help people move that are cussing you out. Do good and offer financial assistance to those that were just gossiping about you. Pray for those who abuse you. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. Mutually beneficial, transactional relationships 
Everybody does that. Jesus said, you know what real serving looks like? It looks like when it's undeserved. It looks like when it's unmerited. It looks like when it's unthanked. It looks like when it's unappreciated. And you serve. Let me ask you this. Who, who have you stopped serving? Maybe because of this. Who have you felt slighted by in some way? And because of that, you said, look, I, I'm just not going to give any more to this relationship because it's one-sided. This is what Jesus says real serving looks like. Real serving looks like saying, you don't deserve it. You haven't given me anything, but I give. Look, think about this with your kids. For those of you that have kids or you can just envision this, you don't expect your kids to give back to you the same way that you give to them. You don't look at your kids and say, look, when's the last time, when, when's the last time you made me a snack? You know, you don't, you don't say that. When's the last, I mean, you, you don't, you, that would be ridiculous, right? You, but these, God says, look, these are my kids. These are my kids. These are my kids, and you're not basing your serving of them on them serving you. You're basing it on they're my family, they're my kids, and I'm calling you to serve them. This is what good serving looks like. It's different from how we normally think about serving. I mean, wouldn't this make your relationships better if you served like this and if people served you like this? But I want to ask us this question, too, because I think this helps us get a bigger picture, which is just why serving like this is such an important part of our relationships. Why is serving like this so important? Why is it that God is so detailed on how? Why doesn't he just say, everybody be nice? Everybody do some random kind. Why is God, when he talks about serving, why, why does the Bible, when it talks about serving, really emphasize, hey, it's supposed to be sacrificial. It's supposed to be, it's supposed to be gracious. It's supposed to be intentional. It's, I mean, why is God kind of pushed so detailed, so emphasized on these things? Why is it so important to him? Why is this kind of community and this kind of serving something that God is like really moving us towards? And here's what it says that God wants for us. Here's what Jesus says he wants for us to experience. And here's why it's so important. Here's what Jesus says to his disciples right before he goes to the cross and begins to leave uh, this earth. He says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide or live. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love, and that we kind of we read this in John, 1 John, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. So here's what Jesus says. I'm commanding you to love each other. Here's my commandment, that you love one another in the same way that I've loved you. But why? Why does he say that? Because he wants us to keep his commandments so that we will live, abide in his love. So here's what this means. Here's why serving in relationships is so important. God says the church is his family. The church is his kids. The church is his family and his kids. And think about it. For, again, for those of you that have kids, and I know many of you don't, but if you have kids, a lot of times, and, and I was talking to somebody this week about this, but if, let's say you're trying to get a nanny, you're trying to get a babysitter. I mean, there's kind of a rigorous process, unless you're desperate, but there's usually a rigorous process 
of, hey, do you have a background check? And like everybody that volunteers and kids back here, we background check them. And sorry if you were like trying to get in there or something. Um, beware. Um, but there's always like this rigorous, man, these are our kids. These are my kids. We want them protected. We want them safe. We want them taken care of. And this is what God is doing with his kids, with his family. See, Jesus knows that he is leaving the earth. And he's been with his disciples. He's been with this community. And he's been loving them, he says. He's been serving them. He's been taking care of them. But he knows he's leaving. And he says, look, I still want you to live in my love. I still want you to abide in God. I still want you to live in it. Not just know about it, not just hear about it, not just remember my teaching about it. I want you to live in my love. And that will happen if you obey my commandments to love one another and serve one another and lay down your life for one another. See, the reason that serving is so important the reason that God pushes us towards this, the reason that it's even detailed and specific and emphasized is because God wants you to experience his love. Look, if you're not a Christian or maybe you're somebody that's kind of uh, checking out church, maybe you're kind of coming back to church after a while, we're, we're, man, we love that you're here. One of the things I always like to point out is most people, most people believe in a God of love. Most people, if you say, hey, what kind of God do you believe in? And 95% of people believe in God, right? 95% of people believe in some form of God. And most people don't say, yeah, I believe in a really vindictive, evil God. Most people say, I believe in a God of love. But you know what a God of love is? A God of love is not just someone that's nice that we kind of just imagine up there has these nice feelings. A God of love, the same way that human love has to be this or you wouldn't call it love. A God of love is one that says, I want you to experience my love. I want you to feel it, for it to actually affect your life, for it to change, for it to be practical, for it to be tangible. You know that human love is not love if somebody just says, I love you, and does nothing. And God says, I'm a God of love. But you know what that means? It means I want to create a community where you are living in my love experiencing it tangibly, which is why Jesus says, I want you to live in my love, and that will happen if you obey my command to love one another in a serving way that lays down your life. God's strategy for us knowing him as a God of love is to entrust us to love each other and serve each other. This is why it's so important, because what God wants for you and me to experience is practical, tangible love you got to know this. I really want you to know this. God doesn't ever just want you to believe certain things are true. He wants you to experience them, to live in them, to know them in a tactile, practical way. Now, when you hear about this, when you look at this, what happens? Maybe you even feel overwhelmed, like, well, that's a lot more kind of serving than I'm used to. I'd rather do random acts of kindness, buy an expensive gift once in a while, love those that love me. That's a lot safer. Uh, so maybe when you look at this, it can be overwhelming. Or maybe you can even feel guilty of like, oh, I'm really not that, I thought I was a better person. So what can help us actually serve like this? What can help us actually grow into becoming people that serve one another in a better way? And let me just say, it's, it's challenging, right? 
It's this kind of love, this kind of serving is difficult. It's not easy. You've got, I mean, maybe for some people it is, like there's certain people that you serve and you go, man, this is easy to serve them. But for a lot of people, we go, this is hard. It's hard to serve people. It isn't easy. So what can help us? And again, I want to give you four things and kind of four comparisons that don't work. Because a lot of times when we try to, to serve like this, it doesn't work because of the way we try it. So I'm going to give you four things, starting with this. A lot of times we just say, I just need to try harder. Okay, I heard a sermon on it. There's some things I need to do. I need to work on these. Maybe you took notes. Maybe you said, okay, I need to work harder at doing this. But you know what will happen to you if that's the approach you take? You're ultimately just going to burn out. If you say, okay, I'm just going to really try this. I'm going to take it on myself, and I will do this better. But you know what actually helps us? Is not doing it by ourselves, but having a community that we're a part of. Let me, let me show you what the Bible says. And this is kind of a classic passage on, on sharing what we have with one another. But it says, The full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common. So it's this picture of serving, right? They say, I'm willing to sacrifice, and nothing, my time's not mine, and my money's not mine, and my comfort's not mine, and my plans are not mine, and my possessions are not mine. I'm willing to share what I have. But that wasn't individual to individual. It's talking about this picture of community. The full number are together. And they had everything in common. It's not one person trying to be the savior to one other person. It's a community together saying, together we can serve each other. I mean, look, you, you've heard this of like, What's the phrase? Many hands make light work or takes a village to raise a child. All those different things are sort of getting at this. But a lot of times when we think about serving, we think, and look, you can do that even with your kids. You can say, okay, I'm going to just do this instead of saying, man, I might need a community to help me. I might need other people around me to help me. And you think about somebody maybe that's in your friend group and it's really hard and you're trying to serve them and you're trying to love and it's hard, but you need a community to help you. Secondly is this, a lot of times we think about boundaries. One of the things we go, okay, how am I supposed to, how am I supposed to actually serve like this over the long haul? We think, you know what I need? I need boundaries. Maybe there's certain areas of my life that I restrict. Maybe my home is my, my fortress. Maybe my home is my refuge. Maybe I need to kind of only allow people a certain amount of access to me. Maybe I need to allow people to only get so deep with me, but I really need to keep boundaries to protect myself emotionally, to protect myself financially, to protect myself. I need boundaries that keep people at a certain distance. But we already looked at, that's not what the Bible calls us to. That we're supposed to sacrifice in our love. That we're supposed to be consistent in our love. Intentional, really know it close enough to know people. But you know what will help us is rest. I love how the Bible says this. This is the apostles go out. Jesus sends them out to kind of do this mission and do all this ministry and serve all these people. And it says they come back. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. So they were busy. They were out there doing a bunch of stuff. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. Maybe some of you feel like that. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. See, Jesus sent them out, didn't give them boundaries. 
He sent them out into people's lives to get close, to be involved. But then he also said, you know what you need is rest. You need a desolate place. You need to be by yourselves. You need a snack. You need to chill. See, rest will help us. Boundaries, if what we mean by that is you can only get so close or I'll only allow myself to get so close, is not what God calls us to. But rest is absolutely something that God says. He says, look, you don't have, the weight is not all on your shoulders. You can work, you can serve people, and you have the permission to say no. You have the permission to serve and love and sacrifice and to say, I need to rest. Where, where are you? Why aren't you here? I'm in a desolate place, you know? Or actually, it'd be better if you didn't respond, you know? Your, your auto email just says, desolate place, sorry. Third is this. A lot of times we think about serving will help us. Here's what will help us. Here's what will help us continue. We need to make sure we find something fulfilling for us. We need to make sure we find something that is rewarding for us. Maybe the problem, maybe why I'm burnt out serving people is I'm, I'm not doing something rewarding enough or fulfilling enough. And so we want to make sure that we kind of carefully curate our choices to pick what's most fulfilling, most rewarding for us. But, but here's the problem with this. What happens when it's not? That might work, again, for those extravagant things that you can choose, but so often, serving people intentionally, consistently, it's not rewarding. Maybe it is in some, you know, you're looking back at your life on your deathbed, but in the moment, it's not fulfilling. In the moment, you're saying, man, does anybody even see this? In the moment, you feel unseen, you feel unappreciated, and not maybe feel unappreciated, you are unappreciated. Nobody thanks you for what you did. Nobody even sees, nobody even knows that you did it. Nobody even sees that you did it or cares that you did it, even if they, even if they do see it. A lot of times, that's what it's actually like to serve. A lot of times, that's what it actually feels like. I, I saw this little uh, quote thing um, that somebody had posted. They work at a nonprofit, and they had this posted. It says, doing a good job around here is like wetting your pants in a dark suit. You get a warm filling, but nobody notices. <laughs> that is what it often feels like. <laughs> Isn't it, though? Isn't that what it often feels like? It's like, okay, I might kind of feel good about this, but nobody really sees it. Nobody really cares about it. And so what happens is this. We kind of bounce around maybe. It's like, well, I was trying this, and it wasn't very fulfilling, or I tried this, and it wasn't very fulfilling, or I'll try this. Or we kind of do it for a little bit, and when it stops getting fulfilling, we stop. And then maybe we try it up again, but, man, it's just not rewarding. But you know what God says will help us? is it's not that we are working to fulfill ourselves or to experience reward, but it's actually pleasing to him. It's actually pleasing to him. Let me give you a few verses that say this, that, that I, I love and I just think are helpful. It says, God is not unjust so as to overlook your work. God sees your work and the love that you've shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. It's this picture of people that are serving and they're serving, and they're serving, and they're serving, and they're still serving. And you know what it says? Look, maybe nobody else sees it, but God doesn't overlook it. Look, if you're somebody serving 
Look, if you're a leader and you're serving, if, you're, if you've been on setup or teardown and you're serving, if you're a stay-at-home mom and you're serving and your baby never writes you a thank you card, you know, and, and it's not just those groups. I mean, if you're somebody that's serving and go, ah, man, it just feels like nobody sees. Maybe they don't. But God says, I don't overlook it. I see you. God says, I, look, what if you really take that truth in your heart? God says, I see you. Maybe it's not fulfilling and rewarding, but it's pleasing to him. He says, I see you. I see what you're doing. And, and this verse, it says, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. Keep sharing what you have. Keep sacrificing for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. What would God say if he saw what you were sharing? What would God say if he saw your consistent love and your serving love and your, your sacrifice? What would God say? You don't have to wonder. You know what he says? I'm pleased. He says, this, this, I'm so pleased. Maybe nobody else appreciates you, but God says, wow, I am so pleased. My heart is so full of pleasure in what I see you doing for my people. And then finally, this passage, Jesus says this. Jesus says, then the righteous will answer him. He's kind of talking about like at the end of, at the end of time, and the end of life. He says, the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king, this is Jesus, will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. See, this even moves it further than that God sees it or he's pleased with it. Jesus says, when you help people that need, you actually did it to me. When you help people that are in need, Jesus says, look, maybe they don't appreciate, maybe they don't see it, maybe they don't thank it, but you did it to me. Like, what if when we are serving, we say, this is not even just for this person, I'm actually doing this for Jesus. See, this begins to help our hearts move not just from rewarding but to pleasing. And then the final thing is this. A lot of times we think this. You know what? I just need to love people more. That's my problem. Okay, I need to, I need to grow in serving. What will help me? I just need to be more loving. Well, yeah, sure, that's true. But a lot of times that bases it on someone's lovability. Okay, I just need to love more, but uh, it's really hard to love them. I just need to love more, but my feelings aren't there. I, I just need to be better. I just need to try harder and, and feel differently about them. But you know what the Bible says? It's not that we just need to love better. It's not just that our love needs to grow, but rather it's that we need a deeper kind of belief, a deeper kind of faith. So we looked at this when we went through the book of James, but here's how James says it. Someone will say, you have faith and I have works. So you've got beliefs and I do things. But then he says, show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Now here's what this is saying. This is really important. Because James says our works flow out of our faith. Our works come from our faith. 
your love, your serving. Paul says it like this. He says that the only, Paul says the only thing that counts is faith working through love. That there's a faith that then empowers love. There's a faith, a belief, a knowing of who God is that changes our hearts and produces love, produces works, produces serving. So look, if you're going, okay, I, need, I know I need to grow at serving people. I know I need to do that, but it's really hard. I guess I just got to try to love people more. James says, Paul says, no, what you need is to know who God is in a different way that changes your heart so that then you love. So then you love. And what is that faith? What, what, I mean, faith in, okay, so have a faith in God. What? And there's all sorts of things, but you know what one of the truths that we need when we think about serving others? We need to know who Jesus is as the one that has served us. Here's what Jesus says in Mark 10. He says, even the Son of Man, that's one of his names, talking about himself, even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many, or a payment, to give his life as a payment to bring people into his family. Here's what Jesus says. Here, here's the faith that we need. Here's what we need to have faith in. Here's the belief that needs to control our heart. Do you see how he has served you? See, Jesus says, there's something about me I want you to believe. There's something about me that I want you to get into your heart and to know about who I am. I want you to know that I came to serve. I want you to know that anything that I've ever called you to do and what it looks like to serve, Jesus says, I have served you. See, what did we say? We said that, that what it looks like to serve, one of them is sacrificial. And has not Jesus served us in a sacrificial way? The Son of Man came to give his life. Jesus says, I didn't just come and do random acts of kindness and kind of love. You know, I did a little bit here and a little bit there. Jesus says, I sacrifice. I gave my life for you. I gave my life as a payment to bring you. I was willing to give everything for you, to sacrifice to serve you, because I wanted you. And it wasn't even that Jesus just did some big extravagant thing. You know, you know one of the things that Jesus says when he leaves? He says, I will be with you always. And he says, I will send you the Holy Spirit, who's also called the Spirit of Jesus, and whose one of the names is the Helper. Do you know what that means? It's not just in the past that Jesus serves you, but it means that every day, consistently, Jesus, if, you, if you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit, which means Jesus is saying, I'm with you. I'm helping you. I want, look, Jesus says, I want to help you. I'm not just asking you to live this life and, you know, let, report at the end how it went. He says, I'm present with you, consistently serving you, helping you. And it isn't, just random stuff that Jesus does, but he is intentional. Nick read it at the very beginning in the, in, in, in the worship set in Hebrews. And Jesus is very intentional in wanting to serve us. God himself came to this earth and became a man. And part of the reason for doing that, part of the reason that God would take on flesh, part of the reason he would come into this world is because he says, I want you to know that I understand. And since I understand, I can offer you help in time of a need. Because I get it, because I've been through it, because I know you, it doesn't have to be random. It's intentional. I really understand you. 
This is what it means when Jesus says that he came to serve. And, and obviously, it isn't reciprocal. But Jesus has served us in a way that is gracious. Look, you and me do not deserve the serving that Jesus has given to us. I know I don't. I know that all, look, all of my best serving, the days that I've been most consistent with people and most intentional with people, it's nothing. It's nothing. Because it's never good enough. And I have my good days, sure, and I've got my really bad days. And Jesus says, I serve you non-reciprocally, if that's a word. But I serve you graciously. I serve you when you don't deserve it. I serve you when you didn't earn it. I serve you when you're not serving others. I serve you when you're not serving me. See, Jesus says the Son of Man came to serve, not to be served. And one of the things that helps us, what happens if that gets into the core of your heart? You want to grow in serving? You want your relationships to, for you to be a better servant and to, and to do it in a healthy way, but also in a consistent way? You want to grow in that? This is how. We need these helps for our hearts, and then our relationships are better. Now, here's what this means as we close. Maybe when we come and take communion and we remember how Jesus served us, we remember he served us in all the ways we just went through. His body broken, his blood shed to serve us. Maybe, maybe as you take communion, you need to confess to God, God, I haven't served people well. And you know what? He forgives because he serves us even when we don't serve. He serves in grace. And maybe what this means is I, I, would love, I would love it, okay? If you're married, especially if you're married or even if you're dating, can you, can you just make a commitment to talk to your spouse tomorrow, today? Don't let it go. I, I was going to say this week, but don't let it go by. But just talk to them and say, hey, I want to serve you better. And maybe go through those four things and say, how can I serve you more consistently, more intentionally, more graciously? How are we doing? And talk to each other about that. If you're in a community group, talk with each other about this also. Say, hey, how can we grow in serving each other? So as we take communion, come to him. Remember how he has served you. Remember how he has served us. Remember the kind of community that he is wanting to create because he wants you to experience his love. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you that you serve us. We thank you that even when we don't and have not and do not deserve it, you, you gave us your life and you help us daily and you understand us. You came into this world to serve us, to give your life. God, that you would even reveal yourself as a servant. Let that truth enter into our hearts. And help us, God, as a community to grow. To grow in serving each other and really having a community here that expresses your love tangibly. In your name, Jesus.